Hey, I'm at Wild Goose Festival, a spirituality, music, and social justice festival in the mountains of North Carolina. When I first heard about this gathering, I was pretty confused on what to expect. I went for the first time last year, and the following is what came from it. Wild Goose is a messy orgy of creativity. <laughs> it's a movement. It's an adventure. This is a gaggle of cacophony. It's an amazing opportunity to hang out with people who love people. Wild Goose is more than a festival, it's a freak show. We're the liturgists. <laughs> Welcome to Farming God, a place of stories of a spiritual adventurer, me, skeptically embracing the unexpected. In this episode, I have a host of thinkers, including, but not limited to, Michael Gunger and Science Mike of the Liturgist Podcast. We attempt to wrangle the ever-evasive, life-altering, wild goose experience. Driving through the mountains of western North Carolina, along the banks of the French Broad River, past entrance points to the Appalachian Trail, you really feel like you're in a fairy tale. It's green and lush and full of life, and people flock from across the country to fill up this camping festival centered around justice, faith, spirituality, and music. It's hot. It's very hot. It is sticky. I am it's very sticky. I'm sweating. I woke up sweaty. I was sweaty when we played music. I just love being sweaty in the mud. Yeah, me too. I mean... <laughs> it's weird. There's no cell phone signal. We're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but it's I want to be here because Poison if Ivy. I have a tribe, it's what? people without a tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was hot and rainy and muggy, but it didn't really slow anyone down. People like Austin Hartke, a transgender Christian vlogger, immediately saw the value in what was going on here. You personally, why did you go through the trouble to come here, first of all, all uh -huh. the way from Minnesota? It's a long drive. And what do you personally hope to leave with? This space is unlike anything else in that it is sort of like all the misfits showed up and like got together, <laughs> um, which is a great space. That's exactly what we're trying to do, is take people that are kind of like, I don't know if I fit maybe within um, like um, specific kinds of Christianity. I don't know if I fit, but I fit at Wild Goose, right? And so like what we're kind of doing is bringing all these misfits together and, and saying like we can learn from each other and then we also have something that's worth teaching somebody else. Wild Goose is more than a festival, it's a reunion. The people, oh the people. It really is just a reunion of misfits, just that no one has ever met each other before. Sure, they're the big name speakers during the day, and the Indigo Girls playing on stage at night, but it's the conversations that happen on the fringe, in passing, that hold the real value. It's in these passing comments, like when you're standing in line to use the toilet, and a conversation ensues about Quakerism or hanging out in the beer tent with my tent mates after a long day, trying to piece together what we experienced during that day. There's so many stories like this, like Suze from the band Hard Worker. This okay, so this morning, y'all weren't up yet. I went to go get coffee, and on my way back, 
this woman was coming the other direction and she was like, oh, is that coffee? Where'd you get it? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got it from that little place over there. And she goes, ah, I really wanted to try the coffee from the Airstream trailer. And I was like, this is pretty good. And she was in that like 7 a.m. Um, dark night of the soul <laughs> without the coffee. And she was so torn that I had just told her that the coffee was good from a different place. And so I took the lid off and I gave it to her. I was like, try, try it and see what you think. And two things. One, I would never do that. <laughs> any, straight to your coffee? Any, anywhere else. Um, you know, like crack the lid off my coffee and just hand it to someone that I don't know. But secondly, she didn't look at me like it was at all weird and took it and tried it. It was like, yeah, okay, great. I think I'll, that's where I'll go for my coffee this morning. These are my people. These are the weirdos. These are the people who color outside the lines. And you're not an alien if everyone else is an alien, too. Michael, can you say one thing about how the mission of Wild Goose is incorporated into your music? I mean, a big part of our music has been expressing uh, questions and hopes and doubts and a lot of the same stuff that people are talking about at Wild Goose. That's been our whole thing with our music. and. Uh, for a lot of our time trying to make music like this, we've always kind of felt out of the bounds of any uh, one industry or market or faith sometimes even, like um, any box that people try to draw around us, never we never fit. And so coming to a place where there's a lot of people that boxes don't fit around uh, is freeing. Wild Goose is more than a festival, it is a place of uh, affirmation. If you could hear, that was Meredith Owensby, a member of the intentional community Lydia's House in Ohio. She was speaking over the Moonshine Jesus podcasters in the background. They were excited about something. If you heard her, she said that Wild Goose is a place of affirmation, a place to be with others working on similar journeys. Michael Gunger says more on this. The practice involves more than just yourself. You know, the practice of developing and becoming an aware, enlightened, loving being. Um, there's community involved. There's uh, creation involved. There's like it's a, it's a bigger thing than just me and my mind. Experiencing the ideas of love and justice and faith outside the bounds of a religious box was incredibly refreshing. On Love, Mariabi Starr discussed the understanding of the great mystics and how we need moments of solidarity and aloneness to support our spiritual journey and life with others, being alone. On Faith, author Tom Sign discussed the direction millennials are taking with the church. New generation of young people the church needs to wake up to. They're much more aware of issues of economic, racial, and environmental justice. More than that, they want to do something about it. So of the 80 million millennials, a higher percentage of this generation want to start new social enterprises because the under 35 are getting slammed by the highest college costs ever and the highest housing costs. 
And so here's a generation that wants to go out and make a difference. And here at Wild Goose, we're going to try to get leaders, older leaders in the church to invite the ideas, entrepreneurial, and help them implement their best ideas. It could reverse the trend of the under 35 disappearing from the church. He kept saying that if a church wants young people, they need to find a way to throw parties, to throw the best parties. Our generation isn't satisfied with tossing a soup can in the church box and calling it a day. We want to get dirty. We want to build a house. We want to tear down a fence. And we want to see change and then celebrate once it's done. On Justice, the people were nuts. They were on fire. And what was so cool was everyone literally had their chance to tell their story. Here's singer-songwriter Matt Morris. There aren't a lot of places, you hear this, I've heard this said in our tent, in the Troubling the Gospel mm -hmm. tent this year, we heard this a lot. There aren't a lot of places for people to tell certain kinds of stories. Some stories we privilege over other stories. We privilege um, certain class stories over other class stories. We, we privilege certain racial uh, narratives over other racial narratives. And in some ways we, we, we privilege certain religious expression over others. And, and, and the kind of vulnerability that I witness here at, at, at Wild Goose um, in, the, in the sharing of our stories is so valuable to me. You're hearing things that, that aren't often given the space to be heard. individual in, in our cities that we go home to? Well, the one thing is realize that we're all one. You know, that's how I opened up my presentation with a song about unity because there is no separation when it comes down to us and a person that, you know, looks different from us or they smell different from us. We're all one. You know, we are one body in Christ. Some people say that word, but they don't really understand that we really and truly are one body. Um, you know, and once you do that, then you're going to have, have a different feeling about how you react to that person. Um, that person is your sister, your brother, your mother, your cousin. They are not separated from you. And so when you look at the, the things that may have caused them to be homeless, then you should be able to see yourself because it, it can happen to anyone. So that would be the thing that we should take away and we should act accordingly because, you know, I told the story about how when before I became homeless, I had negative views about people who were experiencing life transitions. I had no clue because although I was raised on the east side of Detroit in, in, in the projects, I didn't know from an adult standpoint what got you to that point. I just knew that as I was coming up as a child, poor and in poverty, it was just the way that it was. But when you look at the challenges that an adult might face that leads them to, to homelessness, then you, you, you really see that, you know, my neighbor, my cousin, anybody could be in that same situation. Rosandra Kenning-Bruce, speaking from experience, highlights our misconception of the marginalized. But how do we get past these ingrained ideas? Larry Reed, a proponent of not science fiction, but social fiction, has some ideas. In our session today, talking about global poverty and imagining a world without it, and the fact is that the only thing that stands in the way from that happening, it's not physical, it's not having enough money, it's not having enough food. The only thing that stands in the way are our attitudes. Are people believing it can't be done? Are people thinking that other people won't make it happen? And if we actually stood up 
and represented ourselves and our cause and communicated that clearly, we would find that we could move, move opinion and change policy and change direction in the world. The, the number of poor people living in the world is already going down and we can bring it to zero if we just live out what we believe. One of the most fascinating voices on social justice came from the least likely candidate. An older white male from Birmingham, Alabama, a self-described recovering racist, Lawton Higgs Sr. speaks with my partner, Alex. Well, we believe that black lives matter. <laughs> we believe that Muslim lives matter. Uh, we believe that LGBTQ lives matter. And we believe that the immigrant lives matter. And we believe that social justice and eliminating hunger and providing housing and health care, that, that all that matters. And uh, I was telling that to the lady here that was at the booth when I was talking about the uh, doing the interview. Uh -huh. And she said she had never heard anybody with a southern accent say that. <laughs> and so here I am. I want to make sure that uh, folks hear somebody with a southern accent uh, because uh, uh, that's talking about progressive issues, about democratic values, mm -hmm. and about a faith community that's committed to social justice and radical inclusion. You know, there have been so many people that have been wounded and harmed and rejected by the established church. And there's so many people that the established church doesn't even want to reach out to that uh, we want to expand uh, the ministries of inclusion. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story and being well, here. Well, I'm, I'm yeah. glad to be here, but once, yeah. once again, I'm Lawton Higgs. I'm a recovering racist. They've done a documentary on me, and it's, uh, you find out, you go to recoveringracist.org, the recoveringracist.org, and find out more about that. Wow. And I, I hope my story about all of that uh, can help many other uh, white folks uh, not just start thinking new things about race, but begin acting in more just and equitable ways to work for voting rights for people of color, public education, health care, yeah. housing, that have so long been denied. And another slightly younger white male from the South, Science Mike. This is not your first Wild Goose Festival, correct? No, second Wild Goose. What did you take away last year and what do you hope to take away with you this year? Um, what I take from Wild Goose is that other people also care about a form of Christianity that is more inclusive, uh, that is more expansive, um, that cares about the elimination of the other as an idea. Um, Post-Enlightenment, our faith has been really insular, has been really associated with power structures, and Wild Goose is a bunch of people who want to knock the whole thing down, and I want to be part of that. As the final days of the festival approached, I became a bit anxious of how we could possibly carry the momentum from the festival onto our lives outside of the Wild Goose community. Is this just an idealistic gathering of dream slingers, or is something going to stick? I think a lot of people at Wild Goose, when they go back to their faith community, they're silenced, and they're silenced by the implication, it might not even be overt, it might be subtle or implied, that you're the only one, no one else is thinking like this, 
stop trying to go outside of the norm and they come to Wild Goose and they realize, no, they're not the only one, that there really is a movement for universal human justice within Christianity. Mm -hmm. That's not oppositional to the gospel, but it's a manifestation of the gospel. And I think it gives people the courage to go back to their communities and speak uncomfortable truths about gender, orientation, race, economic disparity, and justice in the context of our faith. The unity in the community is so powerful. The energy that's here, it feels so good that I know that I'm around like-minded people who have a, a raised consciousness that um, basically says we're going to do something. We're not just going to sit by and stand by and do nothing. We're actually going to put things in action. So I'm going to leave doing just that, putting things into action and not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, what we hope to do with this work is um, to let people know that it's okay to be in those middle spaces and that like um, oftentimes those middle spaces are the spaces that are uh, the, like there are spaces where we get closest to God, like they're wilderness spaces where we travel through and we learn things in middle spaces that other people on the uh, polar ends may never see. I think there are conversations that need a little more time um, to sink in. Um, I think that there, and I hear this from people in different parts of the country, like, come on, we're over here, you know, it'd be really great. And so I have this idea of like people who are a part of, of, of the Goose family to find ways to do these sort of like goose, like, um, mini goose. Yeah, like of, mini some, goose. of yeah. some sort, yeah. like, a, like, like a kind of, um, uh, not a mini festival, but like a weekend kind of retreat sort of sure. experience that, that's connected to communities in different parts who aren't able to get here yeah. to, to bring and make, to form a bridge, you know, where you can say, these are the conversations that we've been having. What are the conversations you're having? And make those connection points. I have hopes that people who come to this festival, who are in our tent, but also just who are here at the festival, can leave this place with a, a sense of, um, a kind of an emboldened sense of being willing to ask difficult questions um, of themselves, of their communities, of the neighborhoods and environments that they're in. Um, when they see something that looks like oppression, that they, they talk about it and they engage with it. When they, when they see something that looks like it needs for color and music and art that they create. Um, so I guess there's a part of me that wants engagement but engagement that's inspired by something kind of inwardly critical and um, and and yet hopeful and and love filled. I want that. I want that to happen out in the world because of what people feel here at the Wild Goose Festival. I think I think what I would hope folks would leave with is this sort of sharing, sharing space, sharing ideas, sharing resources, and uh, just that openness that someone might have something to offer, and that you might drink out of a cup that you don't know what's in it. Yes, that's not it. <laughs> It'd be a... <laughs> <laughs>
So we just got back from Wild Goose. How are you feeling? I just I I don't even know where to start. Like I've gotten like so many interests and in different going in different directions and I don't know which one's the right one to take. Like and I have no idea what I should be doing right now. I don't know. Should we like quit our jobs? <laughs> quit our part-time jobs. <laughs> Uh, I have such a tendency and an inclination to live at the theoretical and the philosophical level to worry about um, not even just the idea but the um, the meta theory around the idea and Wild Goose challenges me to bring these concepts out of the ether and into communal practice and that's something I think you can see a shift in my work and my writing and in, in my podcasting from Wild Goose last year to this year because I saw a way in which a communal Christianity was more than my local congregation that I felt comfortable in, that there, there is a larger movement and that these ideas don't have meaning until they're put into flesh and blood and life. And you see that happen every year at Wild Goose and it, it's, a, it's a stone that drops in the, the stream of Christianity and the ripples just keep spreading. Amidst the overwhelming feeling of re-entering a society much harsher than that of Wild Goose, we can hopefully recognize that a stone has been dropped in more than just the river of Christianity. One has been dropped in us. Although it may feel heavy and weigh us down sometimes, the stone can be used for something, but it's up to you and me, him, her, and them to figure out what. So good luck. If you listen to this episode, congratulations, you are one of the weirdos, and Wild Goose would be perfect for you. Music in this episode is by Paul Springs, and everything would have sounded much less beautiful without him. You can find him at paulspringmusic.com. Intro music and horns by Winston Dry Todd. A link to them is in the show notes. Thanks to Mike McCarguew, Michael Gunger, Tom Sign, Matt Morris, Mariabi Starr, Austin Hartke, Versandra Kenningbrew, the band Hard Worker, Lawton Higgs Sr., Meredith Owensby, Larry Reed, and Rick Meredith and the entire creative team at Wild Goose Festival. Find out more about each of them in the links I provide in the show notes. And if you want more episodes like this, make sure you rate and subscribe to Farming God. Farming God.